0: Today, on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, TSA officers stop a flight attendant from going through Philadelphia security with a loaded gun, and an unexpected visitor prompts the temporary closure of the Magic Kingdom. Those stories next in the travel news.
1: It's entirely possible that October 1st will be dealing with a government shutdown. What does that mean for travelers? Updates on our Smarter Traveler segment at 1120. Last week, we reported Delta Airlines made some dramatic
0: changes to its frequent flyer program. Joe Brancatelli joins us at 11.35 to talk about how airlines are changing their frequent flyer programs. And don't buy the line about things changing for the
1: better. That's total BS. Finally, odds and ends subjects at 11.50, including the new vegan meals on Carnival Cruise Lines. We'll tell you how vacation rental companies are changing the rules on both sides of the equation.
0: It's 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Time to learn more about traveling the world with the Travel Guys. On the road
1: again. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, Seattle. Get your kicks on Route 66. With the show. Welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember now, uh, links to our special guests and more can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. I'm here in my studio. Mark is at a travel show uh, somewhere that-away. Mark, w- welcome. How's everything with you, my friend? Um, good, just
0: busy here. I'll try to make all of this, uh, um, we'll try to make all this happen, travel news and all, over the next uh, 55 minutes or so here.
1: All right, uh, anything to report from Sports Leisure Vacations before we get to the news?
0: Well, not from Sports Leisure, but, uh, you know, around town today, boy, folks are moving around Sacramento. you get the the Farm to Fork going on downtown on Capitol Mall until 9 o'clock tonight. And the air show at Mather. So, you got a lot of stuff going on just around town, you know, as Steve LaRosa would say, you know, what's going on? There's a lot going on around
1: Sacramento today. So, we'll tell you a little bit about what's going on in the world of travel. All right, with that being said, at the top of every travel show, bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the latest, here's Mark.
0: Well, we mentioned in the headlines that uh, they had a little visitor at the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Uh, No, it wasn't Governor DeSantis. It was a black bear wandered into Walt Disney World. A black bear, which prompted the closing of the Magic Kingdom. Imagine that. Um, And it was closed for about four hours. They evacuated part of the park. You're a Disneyland fan there, Tom, so...
1: Yeah, um, that would be that would be pretty strange. You'd have to take a uh, you know uh, a, a second take, since there are so uh-huh. many uh, people in animal character costumes on the park. You're not sure whether it's a, another character or a black bear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A, a,
0: a black bear in the park. Um, so the uh, TSA in Philadelphia here's an interesting situation a flight attendant this would kind of this would surprise you a flight attendant um, would try to get on a plane with a loaded gun a loaded gun uh, that's just kind of we've had uh, TSA officers stop a lot of people with loaded weapons this year but a flight attendant getting on with a loaded gun yeah,
1: that's um, a big oops
0: yeah, that's a big oops. It probably might cost you your job, I would think, or at least a stern, stern talking to. Um, hey, here's something kind of interesting. This is a cool story from Japan. Um, the um, a, there is a dementia cafe um, in Japan. They are have taken in Tokyo. There is a cafe um, where they are just. They are hiring folks who have um, some memory loss issues and are unable to be able to to sometimes some orders get forgotten and stuff like that, but they have other people along the way. and so um, to help them. And so it's pretty amazing the way that they can um, that they've created this situation in, in Japan where they can uh, can serve folks. In a, it's in a tourist cafe, little 16-seat cafe. Um, we mentioned that Delta Airlines has, has, has changed their program, and we're going to talk a little bit about Joe about, about that in just a moment. Um, Delta, did you know most airlines have, Tom, a special VIP program where they'll whisk you around, take you off. You've got to be at least a couple hundred thousand miles a year. But um, Delta's is called Delta's Select VIP Program. And Ooh. they w- if, if you travel enough, I mean you 've got to travel a lot, but if you travel enough, why then that's the, the uh, uh, they will take you off. How would you like to have somebody waiting for you when you got off the plane
1: uh, well <laughs> yeah, although that 's great I, I I would prefer just to be able to get off the plane quickly early, whether there 's anybody waiting for me. You know, I just don't want to have to wait 15 minutes to get off. So the VIP service, uh, does it include a a front row seat? Uh, (laughs) No,
0: it's just a situation where they'll get you off a little bit, get you off a little bit faster. It's, Tom, you and I will never, I don't think that you and I will ever fly enough to be able to do something like that, to have... That kind of service. Um, usually, they let me off the back of the plane, but that's just because they want to get me off the plane, um, <laughs> off onto the tarmac, and just wandering around on my own. Anyway, that's a short version of the travel of your travel news for today.
1: Yeah, and we are the travel guys. Uh, you know, Mark, I bet you, uh, if you took all the miles that you traveled on Southwest and particularly on United Airlines and maybe American too, and consolidated it all to Delta. You might, you might, uh, you might come close. All right, folks. Well, coming I'll... up is we. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. No, I was, I was, I was done.
0: <laughs> well, they're just the, the problem here with the, with the airline is Joe's going to talk to us about in in a little bit later on in the program is the airlines are telling you oh there's all of these wonderful ways that you can earn miles now look at how we broaden the program and stuff except the problem is that when you go to redeem those miles. These guys are, are are moving the goalposts. So nothing is costing what um, you know. It, it, you, you thought you bought a last time you went and got a free ticket. It was forty thousand miles to go to a particular destination, and now you go to look at, for that ticket and it's a hundred thousand miles. So the fact that you can earn miles quicker and earn more of them doesn't really help you because, um, it, as Joe likes to talk, you know, it's kind of an uncontrolled lottery and nobody is in charge. Right now, and really what it tells you um, is that if when it comes, I don't care if it's the um, frequent guest program at Wendy's, um, these programs in their early formats were designed to be somewhat fair and they were to be an incentive for you to do business. Now they're designed to make money for the company that's running them. So there's almost no frequent flyer, frequent guest program that at the end works out the best for the customer. I don't care what they tell you. It's not, and the travel industry has really become adept at this. Um, The hotels and all of these credit card bonuses and stuff are just not, they're they're not giving people, uh, they're giving them more miles, but miles are worth a lot less. So you've really got to think about that. Um, And we've got, Joe's got some solutions to that, I think, uh, when we talk at the bottom of the hour. He's got some suggestions for those of you who are chasing miles and points and stuff like that that you may
1: want to be, you may want to listen in for. I really enjoyed the, uh, well, I don't know if I enjoyed it, but I thought it was fascinating, the story in the news, Mark, about the bear wandering onto uh, Disney World property. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, uh, I've been to Disneyland a lot, and it would be, you know, if you saw a bear wandering through the park, or it'll probably, most people wouldn't pay much attention. Well,
0: remember, remember that Florida is a little bit more, the Disney park in Florida is a little different location a, a bear loose in Los in in, in, sub, in suburbia in Los Angeles would be a, even a bigger story than one wandering onto the park in, in Magic Kingdom. But uh, here's the thing um, that that I would think is that um, people, some people might think, you know, it was part of the program.
2: You know, That's what that I It was mean. part of
0: the show. Absolutely. Um, and that that could be. Of course, you'd also think that an animal that was in in that sort of environment probably would be used to the fact. That it would be running into some people, some places. So, um, anyways, yeah, that would really change your change change your 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 life for sure if you were out there in the, in the park and ran into an actual live animal. Um, very very interesting. All right, um, smarter traveler segment. We need to talk a little bit about. Uh, There is a looming government shutdown, and you might think no matter where you are politically um, on the government shutting down, I'm going to suggest to you that you might want to take a broader look at things because there are some things that our government does for us that um, you might miss them if they don't show up for work on Monday. So um, the the biggest part of this are things that would shut down that would not be available to us. So... um, Things like that, you know, it it's, this has nothing to do with travel, but you know, if you have an appointment with the Social Security Administration, um, probably not so much. Um, probably with not that, so much. The uh, you,
1: uh would, if go ahead, I was gonna say, with that being said, as we move forward with this story, uh, I recall this happening once before, <clears throat> and I think our discussion turned to uh, state or Regional or national parks—I think it is national parks—where if mm-hmm. they shut down, that there's a possibility that they, the parks will be closed because the employees will not be available to uh, to service. So, is is that part of the list of things we might run into? It is,
0: and probably the part of the list that will most impact other people, and that is the fact that. Um, any I, I, National parks are not going to be considered... Uh, people who are considered to be essential employees are going to keep working. So for example, the airport is going to stay open and most of the TSA workers are going to keep working. There will be a few of the TSA workers, that supervisory type workers, who probably won't be considered essential workers, so there, some of them will be gone. Um, this will mean that problems at TSA and stuff may not be resolved quite as quickly. So it may take a little bit more time to pass through a, a security point than it has taken in the past. So if the government go, if the government shuts down and you're flying, um, add an hour to airport time. I mean, really seriously, add an hour, because you don't know what kind of weird situation that you might run into. So that, that's the most Im- important thing, is that the airports stay open, um, air traffic controllers, the FAA keeps, keeps working, But you're going to lose a few supervisory people, and that's going to make things just probably not run quite as, as well. So that's, that's the, the, probably the most important part. And then shifting to the parks, as you mentioned, Tom, the, the, um, the situation with the, with the parks is that national parks are basically going to shut down. Now, there are some parks, um, let me give you an example, Redwood National Park is along Highway 101. So you'll still have access to some parts of it, but nobody's going to come to open the parking lot. So that's going to be a little bit of a problem if you're going wanted to go on a hike or you wanted to go into a grove of redwood trees. Um, the visitor center is not going to be open. The public restrooms are not going to be open. So that's going to be a, a, another problem. Um, um, so if you're if you're headed into you've got to be thinking, and some people don't always think about national park facilities being federal places. And I'm just going to suggest to you there are also things like monuments. And landmarks and anything that's part of the park system that says national on it, as opposed to state, is going to be an issue for folks. So some of those places you'll still be able to access because they're along public, a public lines, but they may not be. Um, they may not be as accessible in terms of the places that you're used to going into.
1: Does that make sense? So, oh yeah, yeah, it does. And and the thing is, is that you got to kind of think broadly about this because you're generally don't know exactly which places that may have issues it would be a good idea uh if you can to maybe check ahead for instance let's say you've got a trip to new york city coming up mm-hmm. in uh the first week of october uh and you want to go to you want to go to the statue of liberty uh and a number of places or a trip to washington dc perhaps because you've taken people there you see a lot of uh, a lot of monuments you see a lot of stuff what would you say to somebody that had a a washington or a new york or any other trip that might have a lot of facilities that would be government run uh, what would your what would your thoughts what would your advice be to them at this particular point to kind of plan ahead do your homework what- Washington DC is going to
0: certainly fit into that um, is going to absolutely fit into that category. Um, almost because almost everything in Washington DC is federally is part of the federal system. The Smithsonian um, the Smithsonian Institute, for example, all of the Smithsonian museums are going to be closed. Um, the capitol building is going to be closed. If you had a tour of the White House, that's probably not going to happen. Um, so if, Syria, if you're thinking about a trip, if you have a trip scheduled to our nation's capital, and the government goes out, then you're really going to have to do your homework. There will be things that will be open, but um, they will be fewer and further between. Uh, the 9-11 memorial in New York City would be an example. Um, the ferry boat to Ellis Island um, and the, and the, and it would be an, perhaps another example of something that um, wouldn't be operating during the time
1: of the, uh, of the uh, if the government went out you know all of this kind of falls into that same category of uh, uh, I don't know this maybe not uh, any kind of travel insurance I mean what do you do when you have a, a government shutdown that, that interrupts your your travel it's one thing when you've got weather related or whatever. Uh, there are certain contingencies that you can do. But if you're traveling with a group that's it's booked a tour or you booked one with a travel agency, you know, what are, what are the ramifications? How far out do you need to be looking? And the government doesn't usually give you a lot of free warning. You know, we're talking about it could shut down on October 1st. But when will we actually find out? Probably the last minute. Yes, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely
0: right, and that's the, that's the thing is it's going to probably be the last minute, and shutdowns uh, have lasted anywhere from a few days to a lot of days. So if you if if you if you have plans, the important, really 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 important thing is going to be doing your homework. Now and remember, if you, state parks and the like, this is not going to matter, but if you're going to Yosemite National Park that has an entry
1: point and is off the highway, then that's going to be an issue. Yeah, well, there you go. All right. Well, let's uh, cross our fingers and uh, hope that it doesn't happen. The government usually doesn't uh, check with folks individually and say, well, gee, I see a lot of folks have got a, a trip to Washington, D.C. We maybe want to want to delay this a little bit. And most uh, time, line... go ahead, Tom. I was going to say—I'm uh, going to let you finish, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, my trip to Disneyland was last it, week. So it was okay. but yeah. Tom? Yes, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Anyway, I said, go ahead and finish your thought. I want to talk a little bit about Disney.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, go right ahead. About the, You were down at the Halloween um, event at Disney, and you had some comments that saying that you wanted to share about it.
1: Right. Uh, for those of you that have always wanted to go to Disneyland for their uh, Halloween event, they have it every year. They have a big party called, this year it was the Oogie Boogie Bash. Uh, it is sold out. If you're thinking of going to the Halloween Oogie Boogie Bash, you won't be able to buy tickets or get in for the 2023, but you can for next year. Uh, And the secret and the key to that, not really much of a secret, is to go online early uh, to the Disney site where you will be able to watch and see what dates become available to buy because you have to buy your tickets for a specific evening. Uh, This year it happened over at California Adventure. Last year it was in the Disney Park. But you Uh go on, it'll be a calendar there where you can pick the days, and you select them in advance and buy your tickets specifically for that one event. And uh, in the evening time, when you get ready to enter the park, uh, at around 3 o'clock they'll let you in. And at 6 o'clock, if you don't have a wristband that uh, indicates that you're there for that particular evening event, they boot you out of the park. So it then becomes exclusively for those that have paid for the Halloween party, and which, in-
2: which includes
1: all kinds of goodies. It uh, you, There's trick-or-treating. There's a special parade. Uh, a lot of the rides and uh, different events there are catered specifically to Halloween. And as you know, Disney is really, really into villains uh, and spooky costumes. Uh, the guests are encouraged to wear costumes. We went as a series of uh, three couples. Uh, one was uh, Fantasmic, one was the, uh, the um, uh, World of Color, and the other was Disney's Fantasmic. And uh, I'll have Sarah post that for you guys to take a look at next week, but plan ahead if you want to go if you're going to go here in the next uh, between now and the end of uh, October, there is lots of Halloween type fun stuff to do uh, you won't be able to get into the party itself, but there is certainly a ton of fun Halloween type of activities and of course, right there at the end of the uh, October they they flip the switch and they turn it into all Disney Christmas, which is uh, equally as fantastic as they—they they always do a, a great job. Now, if you see a live bear or a bear, double check, <laughs> make sure it's not a wild Maybe one not. that wandered in, wandered, wandered into the park. So, well, uh,
0: and the. And if you're headed, if you're thinking about Southern California and Halloween, um, we mentioned last week the uh, folks at the pageant at the Masters are doing the pageant. It's every five years pageant of the monsters. So that's happening this year. Um, There's also some fun things to do on board the Queen Mary, which has reopened. So if you're if you're a, a Halloween person, you're looking for something for Halloween, you might want to. Um, there are a couple of fun Southern California type things and still enough in advance to get a decent airline ticket. Uh, the Queen Mary has opened some rooms back up, so you can stay on board the old ocean liner if you like too, so there are some Halloween opportunities in Southern California if the Disneyland thing, uh, if you were hoping to go there and it's sold out, but you could you could still take a shot at uh, at the Queen Mary or down at the pageant of the Masters. If you go online, I'm sure you can find some more information about those events.
1: The Queen Mary, wasn't it real close to uh, us losing it not that long ago, was it, Mark? Okay. Um, the, 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 I'm sorry, Tom. Again, the Queen Mary? Didn't you say, w- w- were we looking at it closing not that long ago?
0: Uh, at the Queen Mary closing? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Has just reopened.
1: Well, all right. It's there and waiting. Welcoming back to our program, Joe Brancatelli. Just Ask Joe. Welcome to The Travel Guys.
2: Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And I'm always sorry that I come on when things are terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, you're one of the people we turn to when when bad things are done to travelers or things that are not advantageous because you're really good at explaining them and you have a passion for travelers and the the, the few benefits that we can eke out. So you're a good man to to get a gauge on for something like this. So we explained to folks on the program last week that Delta Airlines had made, had furthered a change that's been going on for a little while and and may be coming a lot bigger. They've kind of revamped the way that frequent flyer programs are going to work and how the interaction is going to be and how you're going to earn your rewards and all that kind of jazz. Uh, Joe, you, you wrote very passionately about it. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? And then let's talk about where we go from here.
2: Well, when the program started, guys, uh, and this is now 30 years ago, um, they were based on miles. And that was fair because one mile had some vague relationship to the amount of money you paid the airlines. But now, as we all know, miles mean nothing because fares are crazy and all over the board. And some people get great deals. And some people overpay, usually business travelers, on the same route. So increasingly, the airlines have moved to a system that says all that we value, your loyalty to us and our loyalty to you, such as it is, is based on the amount of money you pay us. And the Delta move in the last 30 days has been about that. They've gone to something called MQDs which is a silly jargon to say, if you want to be an elite status well else you have to give us X amount of money. The problem is that while they're making the change, they keep devaluing the program and giving you less, even as you give them more. And that's what's hidden in all these changes almost all the time.
0: So basically, Joe, what they're saying is that your credit card spend is of greater value to us than your butt in one of our seats on an airplane.
2: Well, weirdly, in Delta's case, they're not saying that so much. American, which led this most recent drive, they have something now called loyalty points, which includes your flights, your credit card spend with the American Airlines banks that are tied with them and various other things, all count toward elite status. In Delta's case... They doubled the qualifications required in many cases to reach an elite status with them. But their payoff on their credit cards, which is exclusive to Amex, is truly atrocious. I mean, among all the other outrages they did, they really screwed anyone who's holding a Delta credit card or in the case of American Express, the American Express Platinum card, which also gets you uh, Delta benefits. They're giving you very little value for the dollar spend there. And they're telling you, by the way, you often may have relied on your credit card to get club access. Well, you're not going to get as much as that either. So that really raises the question of even if you're not a Delta flyer, which many are not in the Sacramento market, why are you holding the Delta credit cards or even American Express Platinum?
0: And so going forward, Joe, Um, We're very much at Southwest City, um, as as we talked off the air before the interview. Southwest has more flights out of Sacramento Airport than all the other carriers combined. Um, Do you think that this is bound to spread to other, other carriers? Are we going to see companies like Southwest saying, well, you know, instead of 60 flights a year, why we want you to fly 20 times and spend this much money on your Southwest credit card?
2: It's certainly a possibility and and probably an inevitability. Um, American, and now Delta has done it, United's still a little lagging. To to Southwest's credit, because they were so late to a quality frequent flyer program, and by quality I mean drawing customers to them rather than giving back to customers, they have always been dollar-based. Rapid Rewards always was essentially a program that says, you will win with us, based on what you spend with us. But yes, I do think that Southwest especially will increase the requirements they'll need. They've already done that with the companion pass, which is very valuable. Um, it had been 100,000 m- miles to get there or certain segments. Now it's 125,000. Um, but Southwest is always just a little bit different and harder to compare to the other airlines. But But it wouldn't shock me to see that they tighten things up in the months to come.
1: Our special guest, Joe Brancatelli, welcome to the program. If you're just joining us, Joe, for our listeners, what can you, what advice can you give them either to do or not do uh, in a situation like this in regards to acquiring these cards, uh, using these programs in
2: general? Well, I would say two things. While the airlines especially want you to consider things holistically, because it helps them fuzz up the value they're giving you by, by equating miles flown, segments flown, and your credit card spend. Especially in a market like Sacramento, where, where the, the travel is fragmented among the ma- majors and Southwest is a big player. Do two things. Only take a new credit card tied to an airline when you can get a big acquisition bonus. That's when they're giving you outsized value you know, take our credit card and we'll give you 75,000 miles or 75,000 points for a certain amount of spend. That's the best you're going to get from an airline and a credit card company at any time. So strike on that and then put your ongoing, hit the number you need to get that bonus and then put your spend somewhere else. It could be a cashback card. It's not very hard to get a 2% cashback card and do even better in certain categories. That often will will give you an outside payback compared to an airline card. And also, really focus on the big banks. If you want to fall in with the two big players, that's Chase and American Express, but now also Capital One is coming, look to their cards that give you their points, because their points do have some protection, because it's a direct relationship between you and the issuing credit card. They don't have to talk to the airline about you know, how much value they give you. And American Express membership rewards, Venture X points, Chase Ultimate reward points, they're more valuable to you because you can move them around as you see fit between airlines and certain hotel groups, and that might give you more value than tying in directly to an airline-based credit card.
0: Before we wrap this up, Joe, I want to... I, I wanna... Two things. First, I want to tell people, beware, buyer beware of huge airline bonuses because remember that they're the ones who set the bonuses. They're also ones who set the rates at which the bonuses can be redeemed for flights. So what's 50 or 75 or 100,000 points – might seem like a lot to you, but it might not buy for you the same thing that it bought a few years ago or the last time that you extended these points. Joe, let me ask you, this is a little bit off the subject, but in your opinion at this point in time, if someone is a traveler um, and they want to build up travel points by credit card, what credit card would you recommend to them?
2: Well, it it truly is so personal, Mark, and and your point about the the fungibility of of the big bonuses is absolutely true. As I've said over the years, these are frequent flyer programs are all unregulated lotteries. The companies make the rules. You have to live with them. The only value of a big acquisition bonus is that it is outsized to what they give you on a day-to-day basis for spend. But I think for a lot of travelers, and that covers a lot of ground, is you could get yourself some good cashback cards and create your own travel bank. There's nothing that says you have to rely on an airline or a hotel company to keep score for you. If you get a 2% cashback card, for example, and you can get that from Citibank, uh, from various others. Capital One has a 4% cashback called the Saver Savour card, SAVOR, if you're a heavy user of dining out. Um Take the money you get as cash back, put it in your own checking or savings account, and leave that money aside to buy travel. You might, in many cases, do better with a cash back card and saving the cash back for travel than you would if you deal directly with with an airline.
0: What an what an interesting what an interesting idea that instead of going through all this rigmarole, you get yourself a card that gives you a rebate. You you take that rebate and stash it and use that to to fund your travel, and then you don't have to play any of these games. Joe, as usual, some great information for our folks. Joe's service is a paid one. At Joe sent Me. if you are a road warrior. It is information on a weekly basis that will be of great value to you. I will put a link to Joe's site at TravelGuysRadio.com. Like I said, if you're a road warrior and you're buzzing around all the time, or these credit cards, their bonuses, the mileage programs and stuff are of importance to you, Joe also will give you updates on things that are going to happen to you weather-wise and stuff like that if you're out there traveling. Some of it is pretty important and up-to-date information joe thank you very much for your time today and your willingness to contribute to our program and we'll talk to you
1: again soon
2: mark tom always a pleasure have a great week all right we're into
1: the uh, final segment of today's show here again to make you a smarter traveler this is what we refer to sometimes but not always (laughs) as our odds and ends mark uh, i know i'm odd
0: yeah, and I'm sometimes on the wrong end, so there you go, odds and ends. Um, listen, Carnival Cruise Lines sent out a note that says they are introducing new vegan menus. So for those folks who are, I'm a picky eater, I'm not a vegan, or a vegetarian, I'm just picky. Um, so you, you could set perfectly good food in front of me, and I will decline to eat it because I'm picky. Um, but I'm, I'm a comfort food guy, you know, and it, which is really weird because when you travel, You get all these opportunities to eat wonderful things and regional specialties and old things that were produced by people who came here 200 years ago. And you're like, yeah, not so much. I'll have the burger uh, with bacon, please. Uh, So anyhows. Uh, Carnival Cruise Lines says they have new vegan menus on two ships and plan to offer the option fleet-wide in a phased-in approach throughout the end of this year. Um, They've been added to a couple of ships that sail out of Florida, so if you are a vegan... Um, you will have the opportunity to have things like grilled tofu steak, baked vegetable au gratin, eggplant cutlet a la Parmesan, mm-hmm. um, some other f- f- uh, key lime velvet cake. There's some yummy stuff on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that sure. you would say, hey, I might try that whether I'm vegan or not. So anyway, if you are a vegan and you like to cruise, Carnival Cruise Lines has gotten the memo. And so ask your travel advisor, and it's entirely possible that within a few months you will be able to get vegan meals on all carnival ships, which will make folks who who are vegan or vegetarian, Tom, um, you know, some are really, really picky. Some have to be picky for dietary reasons, and some are like, well, you know, once in a while. But, you know, if you only eat a vegan or a vegetarian diet and then you sit down and have a a steak, you're going to have a real digestion problem. Uh, among other things, so um, we travel with groups all the time at sports leisure vacations, and we have a reasonable number of vegetarian and vegan folks. And then there are a whole group of people who just prefer—they're trying to eat healthy—and they lean that direction whenever they can. So I find that when you can, when you can add something to a, a menu that offers folks that opportunity to step outside the box a little bit and maybe have something that is a, that is plant oriented as in instead of animal oriented, why folks are respond quite well to that.
1: There so. you go. Well, I, I'm not a, uh, a vegan per se, but, uh, you know, sometimes I, it, it, my body just says less meat, mm-hmm. you know, do, yes. so, do something that doesn't have any meat. Isn't vegan basically that they, they just don't eat any nothing meat? that had a mother. Nothing that had a mother. That's,
0: that's good. The, it, it's the way it was explained to me, and that's the easiest way to remember. Nothing that had a mother. <laughs> uh, okay. So, And I, yeah, I'm the same as you. As you get older, you know, the 14-ounce steak is not happening. I mean, it's seven ounce of, of it now. Put it in the box, and I'll have the rest of it tomorrow because the steak is expensive. But um, like you, I find myself, you know, going eating a little bit smaller meal doesn't mean that I don't like a nice meal but means that i my, the amount of food that i digest may be a little bit different and of course when you go on a cruise um, they're putting food down all the
1: time yeah it's, it's about it's about quantity a lot of times rather than quality and, <laughs> and, and, quality, and yeah, yeah. i think you and i are we the – up give me quality I don't need a lot yeah. of it. Just, just give me some quality. I, yeah, or some good french fries and then leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Now, let's see. A french fry is fried in animal fat.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. And french fries are probably among the least things on the plant in terms of what you should eat and shouldn't eat. But uh, everything in moderation you know everything in moderation a few french fries as opposed to a lot all right let's move on here um here is a party pooper story um this is about uh, airbnb and then we're going to move on to um to vrbo in just a moment did you have something there
1: no i was just you you said something about pooping and i i didn't know what that was <laughs>
0: Party pooping. Oh, party pooper. Party pooping. Okay. Airbnb hired a person um, to try to cut down on the number of parties to try to identify people who are renting a vacation home with the full intention of... Of trashing the place or having a party or whatever. Maybe they were going to clean up after themselves. But uh, so Airbnb has hired someone and they have designed an anti-party artificial intelligence system. OK. Um, just to just to give you an idea, your, your question might be, how is it working?
1: Yeah. How's it working? And who is this
0: Someone. Um, well, it's a uh, Airbnb has a person. I'm not going to try to pronounce the name okay. because I don't know if it's male or female. And I'm sure I would butcher the heck out of it. But uh, Airbnb tells us in this release that there was a global fifth. They had a 55 percent drop in parties reported on Airbnb between um, August of 2020 and August of 2022. And the numbers are continuing to drop this year. Uh, this is a, since the launch of this system, which is designed to detect mm-hmm. um, things that. And obviously, they're not telling us how it's designed to detect because they don't want us to know that. But um, they have declined more than two. Three hundred and twenty thousand guests have been blocked or redirected from booking attempts. On Airbnb since August of 2020,
1: and so some, and somehow or another, their their artificial intelligence or whatever whatever system they're using has identified these people as pretty good chance they're going to have a party at your place.
0: This year, between Memorial Day and Labor Day weekends, at least five people were killed at parties hosted at Airbnb's. No oh, man. So um, obviously. This is not only a moral dilemma for the company, but I'm going to suggest to you that it's uh, also a legal and financial dilemma for the company. Um, So I I think that Airbnb is basically trying to get the word out, folks. If you're thinking of renting a vacation property so that you can have a big party, Airbnb is on to you and they're doing everything they can to see to it that the property you rent is not used is, is not used for that purpose. So that's the reason for this little chat today is we just wanted to kind of give you a heads up that uh, if you're planning on hosting a party at an Airbnb, they are you best be really good about it, really sly about it, because they're coming after you, and they've got artificial intelligence things that will help. Okay, here is something else that's come up from Airbnb and VRBO. Uh, previously, people who, if you if you went to rent a property, there were rules about whether or not you could, uh, you know, what you could do, and and about cancellations and penalties and all of those things. Most of those things applied to the person who was renting. Very few of them applied to the hosts. Now, uh, for about a year, we have seen a cancellation policy from one and now, effective October the 9th, um, you are going to see a, a, a brand new cancellation policy. This is from Airbnb, um, and they are going to start charging fees to the host if you cancel Makes perfect sense to me if the if if you made a contract with someone to rent your home or your apartment or whatever, and you have decided that you don't want to fulfill that contract, then somebody lost some money and the person who was going to rent from you is now going to have to find another place. So we are. So what they're saying is that if you're the person who who made this contract and you're breaking it, now we want some money from you. And you know, I'm not big on on service fees and stuff like that. But this seems doesn't this seem to you to be perfectly logical?
1: It does. Uh, you know, I, I have no problem with a cancellation fee, uh, particularly if it's last minute, uh, and if it's disclosed in advance that says that you know we're going to keep whatever one percent, two percent, we're going to keep a hundred dollars. Um, mm-hmm. If you cancel, you know, if they say, well, you know what, we're going to charge you the full banana uh, if you cancel any time from the, the moment that you book it to the time you're supposed to show up, because stuff will happen. You know, it's like when you pay in advance for a car rental, you will be penalized, but it's only like 50 bucks. Yep.
0: Yep. Well, and this, these Airbnb fees are going to run between 50 and and $1,000, depending on the amount of the rental. Right. If it's canceled uh, less than 48 hours before check-in or after check-in, then it's uh, the fee is going to be 50%. If it's more than... Uh, it's between uh, 48 hours and 30 days and it's 25% if it's more than 30 days and it's 10% so uh, point is here that even if you're an Airbnb host you are going to be responsible in some ways for the contract if you decide to break it and and move on and you're unable to fulfill your obligation to the person who's running from you so some more uh, details on some of those things can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com we are getting right close to the end of our program for this week so I thank you
1: for the pleasure of your time, and I remind you to dance like
0: nobody's watching.
1: Thanks for tuning in. See you next Saturday, our new time, 11 a.m. Thanks for joining us.